Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Breaking news, WABC. And everybody, welcome to Cats and Cosby. At this hour, the Coast Guard is continuing their search for a private submarine that has been missing. Uh, John, this is amazing. They were on the way to look for the Titanic wreckage. Uh, they were 350 miles southeast of Newfoundland, uh, down very deep into the ocean, and they have not heard from them and in more than 24 have, hours. They have 96 uh, hours worth of oxygen, and I think they're down to the last 10 hours or something. Yeah, they've got a, a little bit more little than bit that, more. but not much more than that, John. Imagine it's the size of a minibus. Well, the, so the, that's what they're wrapped in. The Coast Guard is on top of it, but we hope uh, they'll succeed. Absolutely. We'll keep everybody and we posted. We have one great show for you today. Welcome. It's Monday, and uh, we have a uh, full studio today. We have Tony Carbonetti, uh, and Tony was the uh, uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani's uh, chief deputy chief, chief of staff. staff. Yes, That's it. Judge Richard Weinberg, welcome. And a special guest, a special guest in the studio. We have His Royal Highness Prince Pavlo. Uh, welcome, uh, Your Royal Highness. Thank you. Good to be here. Good. And to get a report, what the heck is going on in the streets of New York? Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, what the heck is going on? Tell us. Well, John, the front page of today's New York Post says it all. Even dogs are not safe in New York City any longer as a Dog being walked by its owner was stabbed by another dog owner to death. They had to euthanize the dog at 106th and 5th Avenue. And the person uh, whose dog was killed is afraid to come out. He's keeping a machete behind his door. And the police have been unable to find a suspect who everybody knows who this crazy guy is. Then you look at all the stabbings in the subways. And this is a result of what I said, John. The overtime that Kathy Hochul had given Eric Adams to do double and triple ships in the subway to stem the flow of the loss of votes two weeks before the gubernatorial election because uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin was gaining on her on the crime issue has now come to an end. And now you are seeing all these stabbings. There are no police responding. And I can anticipate that this is just going to lead to more problems all summer long. And the mayor just seems to have checked out. Haven't seen him at any of these uh, situations, crime situations. We have a police commissioner, obviously, who is uh, on her way out July 1st. And it seems that we have a police department that is leaderless now. And it's reflective of what we're seeing in the city. You know, it's scary, Curtis, this whole thing with the stabbings. It's women. It's like three women were suddenly like randomly slashed in the legs just for going on the subway. Talk about just how crazy this one particular guy looks like he was just kind of going randomly slashing women in the legs. And, and Rita, again, I've been talking about 86 and Lexington. Who would have ever thought? that 86 in Lexington, which was the crown jewel of the Upper East Side, has been the scene of so many beatings, assaults, stabbings, robberies. Even our own Joan Hamburg has said her children will not let her go out at night. She lives right in that area. A lot of people live in that area. And this is just going to lead to more people being in fear, and they will flee the city. And more importantly, without women working, 
They are the majority of the workers. Without them going to restaurants, without them going to bars, without them in nightlife, guys are not going to be Curtis, there either. I, I live up there, and you're 100% correct. It's actually very dark now. There's a number of closed stores since Papaya King closed. That whole corner, I came home the other night from a, a Mets game, and it was really dark out walking from 86th and Lex to 86th and 3rd. Th- that whole area is totally transformed for the worse. And, and while we think New York is bad, uh, Chicago, they are rolling up the streets. Uh, San Francisco, they are rolling up the streets. There is no San Francisco. All the hotels are closing. The movie theaters are closing. Our friend John Chachis uh, is thinking of closing, uh, uh, what is it, Bloom's? Yeah, isn't it? And by the way, John, 60 people shot over the weekend in Chicago. I mean, unbelievable amount, Curtis. Well, the new socialist mayor didn't want more cops. He wanted volunteers to go out there who were disciples of justice. By the way, they don't even work with the police. They won't even give information about any of these uh, these shootings. They believe that snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. So if you want socialists, it's going to drive all the taxpaying people out. And the socialists will take over. And there goes capitalism. We, there we, goes our major metropolitan area. play the, uh, the uh, song the Ex- funeral? Exodus? <laughs> the funeral song. Exodus. <laughs> yep. yep. And it continues. The fear is leading to flight. And it's starting to take effect here in New York City. We're not seeing the recovery that New York City should be having at this point. Since it's no longer COVID-19. It's no longer the days of March uh, 2020 and in the add, lockdown. And add to that, you're going to have congestion pricing. They're pushing congestion pricing, which is another deterrent to bring people back into the city. All right. We got, and I understand. What a mess. Thank you, Curtis. And uh, thank you for keeping us all aware of what the heck is going on in the streets. And Keep up the fight. Keep, keep up, up the, the good fight. fight, please. Definitely. <laughs> We're going to double the uh, the uh, Guardian Angels workforce. I have to. I have no choice. I think we need a quadruple. <laughs> quadruple. <laughs> And uh, Rita, I understand Ambassador Bolton is on the phone. Exactly. We have former Ambassador John Bolton, of course, the ambassador to the United Nations. Ambassador Bolton, we're talking about all these issues on the streets. In the middle of all this, the Biden administration's rumored to be working on sort of a mini agreement with Iran secretly. Uh, Netanyahu's, you know, furious. Many Americans are furious. What is going on with this administration and Iran? This is frightening. Well, it is. They just cannot shake the obsession that uh, if they can talk Iran back uh, to let them back into the 2015 nuclear deal, that uh, Sweden and some light will break out in the Middle East. Uh, and in the meantime, Iran is busy crushing its own population. It continue, continues its effort to get deliverable nuclear weapons. It's still supporting terrorism. I mean, it really is a, a kind of a theological obsession that the Biden administration has. But the way it will work is that uh, is, is that they, the Iranians will do something, make a promise on the nuclear side they have no intention of keeping. And in exchange for that, we will release billions, maybe tens of billions of frozen assets that will go right back into being uh, either a lifeline for this for the for the regime in Tehran, which is very squeezed economically, or they'll just take the money and put it into terrorism, military, and nuclear activities. There's there's no good deal here for the United States. Ambassador, uh, they, I remember when uh, President uh, uh, Obama sent two plane loads worth of hundred dollar bills in the middle of the night. Remember, it was pallets in the middle of the night too, John. No, no, it wasn't hundred dollar bills. No, they, they, it was. Uh, Pounds, he had euros, he had euros, pounds, he had dollars. and Swiss. Uh, you know, yeah, because yeah, they need. to send American dollars, 
President Obama had to get permission from Congress, and he bypassed Congress, and that's why he sent foreign currency. Yeah, listen, the, the treaty power is something the Senate has given way too much up on over the years. Uh, if they do this uh, uh, side deal, the secret mini deal that they've been working on, really, Congress has got to take action. Congress, the Senate in particular, has got to stand up for its constitutional authority. I think that means cutting off, dramatically reducing appropriations for the State Department, things like that that get the bureaucrats' attention. Uh, Judge Weinberg? Ambassador, I'm deeply troubled because they're going to say this deal is not really a deal. It's an ishkabibble, and therefore you don't have to go through con- congressional authorization. Yeah, no, you look, you're exactly right. It's They're going to call it an understanding. And, uh, you know, they just think Congress is uh, filled with people who won't stand up to protect their own prerogatives. And, and I hope they're wrong on that. I've, I've talked to members of the Senate in particular. I think they understand what's at stake. The question is whether uh, they're willing to get enough others to go along with it. But I think this is a point that has to be understood here. I think it ties in, unfortunately, as a matter of attitude, with the current Secretary of State Blinken's trip to China, where he met with Xi Jinping today. They're just so desperate to to want to talk to these people. It doesn't matter whether they get agreements that favor the United States uh, out of these talks. They just want to talk for the sake of talking. And it really, we're missing opportunities. We're missing threats that are coming our way because of this approach. Yeah. By the way, everybody, uh, later on in the show here on Cats and Cosby, we're going to have Gordon Chang talk about China, too, by the way. Um, everybody, we're talking to former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton. Tony Carbonetti. John, how are you? Um, you just mentioned that Iran is continuing their efforts to go nuclear. It has always been the United States job, Israel's job to prevent that from happening. As they get closer, and, and I don't know whether we've lost the will or the power to prevent them from doing so, if they become nuclear or when they become nuclear, what does that do for the balance of power in that region? And won't well, do, will, will all the other countries want to want to do it as well? They absolutely will, and they're beginning to lay the groundwork for it now. I don't think the government in Tehran believes that the Biden administration will use force if necessary to stop their nuclear activities. They, they think this administration has no backbone. Unfortunately, so do many of our allies in the region. I think the Israelis are being very polite about it, but I don't think uh, the the government in uh, Jerusalem thinks that the U.S. will act. And I don't think the United Arab Emirates, the Saudis, the Kuwaitis, uh, I don't think any of the Gulf Arabs uh, believe that we will act. So this could well come down to uh, whether Israel is determined to act. I think Netanyahu will. I think he understands the stakes. I think almost everybody in Israel understands the stakes that if Iran gets nuclear weapons, Israel is subject to a nuclear holocaust, and they're not going to permit that to happen. But we shouldn't have to depend on Israel. This, we have a huge interest in uh, preventing this from happening. And, and the only Biden administration uh, approach is, is to try and beg the, uh, uh, the uh, regime in Tehran to take more billions of dollars and make pledges on the nuclear side. They will not follow through on, as they have violated the 2015 deal, which was a thoroughly bad deal to begin with. They're prepared to sign a lot of things. We don't have visibility into what they're doing at their military bases mm-hmm. on the nuclear program. Notwithstanding, advocates of the deal say we do. We do not, and neither does the International Atomic Energy Agency. Well, Saudi Arabia does not like the White House. Uh, they've been aligning themselves with China and bringing in other countries. How many countries are they up to now? There was Argentina, Brazil, uh, Venezuela. Who else? 
Well, that's is anybody South Africa, anybody that uh, wants to talk to them. The, the, the Saudis and other Gulf Arabs are hedging their bets uh, in in classic Middle Eastern style because they they think the United States lacks the resolve to to protect itself and protect its allies against the people who are threatening. Let's let's remember the the Biden campaign. Uh, domestically in, in 2020 was largely based on condemnation of oil and gas. That is to say to the Gulf Arabs, we're going to put you out of business, uh, calling uh, uh, the Saudis pariahs for the murder of uh, Khashoggi, negotiating with the Iranians over the heads of the Arabs and, and of Israel. You know, it's no wonder they're hedging their bets. The, 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 these are people who have stuck with the United States. I mean, I was just recently uh, in the Middle East and uh, and heard very senior Arab officials talk about how the U.S. is letting China uh, get into the region in ways they've never seen before. And we're just letting it happen. Your Royal Highness uh, Prince Pavlou is here with us in the studio. You have a question for the ambassador? Uh, Your Excellency, good afternoon. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. Um, um, just uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, the, uh, the Prince of uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Mohammed, has done a lot of work in, in modernizing his society. And, um, I, you know, we see a real result from that. There's a lot of people going back there. There's a lot more activity going on. And the relationship with the United States has been terrific as a result of that. Now, in, in Iran, they've done none of, the, of those things. And they've had people on the streets complaining about their rights and so forth. How can one change those people to make them understand that they have to give their people human rights again and, and, and let women walk on the street like normal human beings and, and behave like a traditional society? Well, I think the regime in Tehran is hopeless. I mean, I think uh, the way they've treated uh, the the demonstrations against them since they murdered Masa Amini uh, eight or nine months ago now uh, shows they have not moderated from the Islamic Revolution of 1979. They're just as hardline as they ever were. I I really think the only long-term answer, both for the people of Iran and, and for the Gulf Arabs, Israel, the United States, the rest of the world, is to get a new regime there. And let me just say one thing about Mohammed bin Salman. He is extraordinarily popular in Saudi Arabia, especially among the young people. Uh, because of what he's doing, his vision for the future, it's a, it's a long road, a difficult road. But comparing what he's trying to do to what the Ayatollahs are doing in Tehran, it's night and day. And yet the administration is pursuing deals with the Ayatollahs. Uh, and struggling to to make it clear to uh, MBS that that we stand with the Saudis and the other Gulf Arabs against the Iranian threat. Ambassador, we got one minute left. What do you want to tell the American people? Well, I think, uh, look, as we come into a presidential election, it's time for people to go to their political leaders, people who are running for president, running for the Senate, running for the House, and say, tell me how you're going to protect America in an increasingly challenging world. You know, if you can't get the politicians to listen to you, in an election campaign season, you're not going to get them to listen to you at any point. I, I really do think there are enough uh, international threats that we face, our friends and allies face. This has got to be more of a subject of debate and conversation this election season than it has been in a lot of the recent elections. Well, Ambassador John Bolton, thank you for everything you've done for our country. Thank you for speaking out, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Okay, belated Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> you too. And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we got Steve Moore and has a lot to say about our economy. And, and also. And then an attorney from California, 
Eric uh, Sell? Yes, he's the and attorney who represents that girl who's now suing John, who says they that... They had the- her breasts removed at the age of 12 or 13, and now she is suing California, she is suing the hospitals, and she's 18 years old, and she said it was wrong. It was wrong. Wow, can't wait to talk to that attorney. He's coming up on Cats and Cosby. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with that, we have uh, one of the country's leading economists with us today. We have Steve Moore. Uh, and Steve, are you there? Good afternoon, guys. And I, I just wanted to congratulate you and Rita for being on the top 50 top radio shows in the United States, according to the latest rankings. So that's Are amazing. You kidding? I feel like I failed. You mean yeah, we should have been one? top one. What's wrong oh with God. you? Only, <laughs> only 41? <laughs> only, only 41? Don't describe failure. Steve Moore, yeah, tell you know us what? about you what the heck is going on. How long on? have you guys been together now? So less than a year, and you're already knocking it out of the park. No, so no, 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 no. That's, that's not a record yeah, for me. Yeah, John and I want to be number one. When, when we're, we're number one, then you, could, then you could say something. But, but John, we are number one in the time slot, so yes. that's a good thing. So we can tout that. Uh, Steve, mean? tell us about what uh, you, you, you had a few editorials this week, and yep. tell us what you want to tell us. Well, a couple things. I mean, in fact, I was just on uh, Larry Kudlow's show, uh, and we were talking about this, but I want to relate this to your listeners that, you know, uh, Joe Biden had a piece in the Wall Street Journal a few days ago touting the economy, and he was saying, oh, I've raised uh, the the um, the incomes of low-income people. No, he hasn't. Rita, he's only raised the incomes if, if you look before inflation. When you adjust for inflation, Low-income Americans have actually lost four to five percent of their income. Well, I was on Fox Business this morning, and you know what I said? Uh, they had uh, the former uh, chairman of UBS on, and I was debating yep. him. I said, uh, since uh, President Biden has become president, the American poor have gotten poorer. The American, yeah. the American middle class has gotten poorer. Yeah, and, and since President Biden allowed oil to go from uh, fifty-five to one hundred and twenty-five. A trillion dollars has moved over in wealth from North America to Russia, China, etc. Yeah, we lose. Under Trump, we brought a trillion dollars into the United States. Now the money is actually leaving the United States. It's a a lousy economic record. It's the reason 70 percent of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction on the economy. Even my dog doesn't like that. Yeah, even your dog doesn't like that. By the way, you wrote something about blackouts, too, also, Steve, about how the electric grid, how we may not be prepared this summer. Uh, Ask your dog about that, too, okay? Well, this is a big one. This is a big one. You know, the uh, these were two of the chairman, the committee members of the federal uh, electric, uh, you know, um, Firk. committee, Firk. and they basically found Burke, right? And they found that if we continue to close down, John, our oil and gas plants and uh, in coal plants, and you know that that's where we get about sixty-five percent of electricity. We are not. We are going to have blackouts, not just in California, uh, but across the country. So we're playing with fire here, John. We need our fossil fuels. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we had uh, Congressman. Uh... Whitman. Uh, Whitman here before, and he met with the uh, uh, chairman of Toyota. Um, of, put yep. on, let's hear that one-minute clip we have uh, from the chairman of Toyota. Congressman, uh, the other thing that they're doing is they're using their influence. They're pushing electric vehicles. 
and 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 it seems like a big scam to me. Uh, I mean, the United States has a uh, hundred years worth of 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 oil, and they have no oil, so they rather push the electric vehicles. They're making all the batteries, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I understand you met with uh, uh, a foreign, uh, uh, was it Toyota you met with? Yes, yes. Tell us about your meeting with Toyota. Well, we had some great conversations with folks at Toyota Motor Company. And just to, just to get their perspective, because a lot of American motor companies, and, of course, Toyota manufacturers in the United States have a mindset about what they're going to do with electric vehicles. And Toyota has said that their mindset is they are going to build a whole variety of vehicles. They're going to build EVs, electric vehicles. They're going to build hybrids. They're going to build gas and diesel because they see the need being there for those different vehicles. And they said if they just limited their production to a single vehicle that is an electric vehicle, that it would not coincide with the infrastructure available in the United States. I've spoken to our electric companies that have said, Rob, we cannot supply electricity in a reliable form uh, in the time span that these car manufacturers want to go totally over to electric vehicles. That was uh, Congressman Rob Whitman. We don't have the infrastructure. Toyota, smart people. They said, look, we're going to make electric vehicles. We're going to make gas vehicles. We're going to make diesel vehicles. We're going to, we we want to, we want our customers to buy what they want versus General Motors we're going to force electric cars down your throat. Should, yeah, hey, I listen, mean, my, it, my yeah. opinion, you're going to see another yeah. bankruptcy at General Motors, my opinion. You, you know what? Wow. Yeah, I'm so sick of bailing out the, the big three auto producers, and then they won't produce the kind of cars, John and Rita, that the American people want. Only 6% of Americans buy electric vehicles, and there's a lot of reasons. One is they can't afford the high price tag for the for the EVs, but a lot of Americans just don't want an EV, and it's it's kind of humiliating isn't it the toyota which is a japanese company is making cars that americans want but the american car company absolutely the Steve Moore. Out, absolutely i believe in equal rights you, you want to buy an electric vehicle you want to there be a, 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 a schmuck you buy it <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh let, let's not force them down people's throats yeah i agree oh, that's right Freedom to choose. Freedom, Freedom to, to choose. choose. Freedom to be a Steve shark. Moore, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. And right, now we have the attorney from California calling in on that young lady who had her breast removed at the age of 12, 13. Yeah, this is Rita, amazing. You take, you're the woman. You take over, Rita. Thank you very much. And, boy, I am angry about that. Talk about a schmuck, as you just said. This uh, case is really unbelievable. Eric Sells is the attorney for a 13-year-old girl who, at the time, had her breast removed. Now she's 18, and she is suing the hospital, saying, uh, I didn't want this. Uh, attorney Sells, thank you so much for joining us. This is an amazing case. Can you tell us first off what she was like 12 years old and thought she looked at something, went on social media and said, you know, obviously I'm confused about my sexuality, which, by the way, most women, most hey, young girls 11, are. 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Kids are confused. Yeah, absolutely. And a young girl's looking at something online and what the hospital went through with this after a few months. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so this is another example of the tragedy surrounding gender ideology in this country. You have so many young people, uh, particularly young women, who 
Um, they're going through puberty. They're confused. They're upset. They've got a lot going on in their lives. And uh, they become convinced that they're transgender and that their gender identity does not align with their biological sex. Uh, so what do they do? They go seek professional help. Uh, and too often there's doctors like the ones at Kaiser Permanente who are willing to just bypass common sense, bypass the appropriate standards of met- uh, medical care and providing uh, really life-changing and life-altering um, procedures to these children. Uh, they do it in the form of puberty blockers. They do it in, for- in the form of cross-sex hormones. Uh, and in Layla's case, they do it in the form of a double mastectomy at 13 years old. Uh, and so- l- let me ask you, Mr. Attorney, too, because that's amazing. Here she is. She's 13. They remove her breasts. I saw that basically they told Layla's parents, because everyone's asking, where's the parents involved in all of this? And that they told the parents, essentially, uh, you could have a dead daughter or a live son, that your daughter is, you know, she's confused. Um, she's going to kill herself if she doesn't do this. Didn't really tell the parents there are other choices. And that a lot of it becomes because of money, because they make a lot of money on all of this. What, the hospitals and the pharmaceuticals? Is that the objective? Why would you ever force a young child to get into this? Yeah, there's certainly a, a profit motive lingering in the background here. Uh, I hesitate to say that that's the primary reason why these doctors make these poor decisions. Um, but you're right. The parents are totally misled into thinking that they have no other options. And as loving parents do, they want to help their kid. And when they go to a doctor and the doctor says this is the only option, if you don't do this, your kid's more likely than not going to commit suicide. Of course, parents are going to um, say, yes, go ahead with this, even if their common sense is telling them this isn't the right approach. Uh, and that's exactly what the doctors did in the situation. They told Layla's parents um, that the, the cause of her distress is her gender dysphoria because she's transgender and you need to allow her to undergo these procedures and take these drugs. And that's the only way that's going to fix this. Uh, but as, as we've, we've seen and we've seen time and time again with countless other cases, uh, that's, that's not always the answer. That's not always the right way to address these mental health problems that uh, people are, are suffering with. And uh, sadly, these doctors appear to be uh, more wow. interested in pushing ideology than they are caring for their patients. All right, we've got a minute left. Judge Weinberg, you get got a quick question. Mr. Sells, and the, the tragedy of this is a lot of the states are making it prohibitive for the parents to even know that the kid is being coerced or finessed into doing these operations. They specifically blindside the parents. What do you say about that? Absolutely. We actually have another case involving a school district in California, and many school districts do this, uh, that they completely hide um, a a child's gender identity transition from the parents at school. Uh, And you're not just seeing this at school. You're seeing this all over the place where kids are are struggling at home. uh, They're struggling with, you know, life in general, and they want to keep things secret from their parents such as something like wanting to change their gender identity. And sadly, schools are are all too often going along with the secret and keeping parents in the dark, and they don't find out until it's too late. Wow, this is, to me, it's heartbreaking, and it is so sad, John. I can't believe it. Uh, Attorney Eric Sells, thank you so much. you got to keep us posted uh, on how this case goes. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank Thank you. you. Now, uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Gordon G. Chang to talk about what the heck is going on in China, what's going on in Taiwan, and uh, uh, Secretary of State Blinken has just uh, gone there and come back already. Yeah, and, and it seemed, uh, I think appeasement's a good word. Well, let's, let's take the break, and we're going to come back with Gordon Chang. 
You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, it was a bombshell because Secretary of State Tony Blinken, who traveled to China, came out and said what basically you shouldn't be saying if you're in the U.S. administration. We do not support Taiwan independence. And this comes as, I just say, appeasement, appeasement, appeasement. He did get a meeting with the president, President Xi there. Uh, but what a mess. And joining us to talk about all of this is Gordon Chang, the great China expert. His Twitter is Gordon G. Chang. Uh, Gordon, first of all, how much of a mistake was this? that he? Be- it's always been this ambiguous policy of the U.S. Uh, to me, as soon as I heard this, it reminded me, of a minor incursion. Remember when he said that, basically, when Biden said that about, you know, about, oh, if Russia steps in and guess what? Then they invade Ukraine. Did now Blinken basically give a green light? Yeah, this was the wrong thing to say to China in these circumstances. What what Blinken did was he reiterated American policy, but he did it at the wrong time because China has delivered slight after slight and humiliated the Secretary of State even before he announced his trip to Beijing. So he should have been strong in his post-Xi Jinping press conference. And I think that clearly what the Chinese saw was what they wanted, and they are now laughing because they realize they've humiliated the United States. Yeah. So where do we go from here? I mean, it really was humiliating, too. Even this whole meeting with she, it was like he wasn't supposed to be there wasn't a scheduled meeting. And then he's about to leave from the airport. And then he's like, oh, come on back. And it just it's symbolic of how this administration has just been, I think, just so weak on anybody that is showing strength on the other side and adversaries. We were talking about Iran earlier. Now we're talking about China. Well, I mean, we got Rita. We have an economic war going on. It's World War Three in economics. I'm glad we're not shooting at each other. Yeah, that's thank the goodness. good news. And uh, where do you think we are? Do you, you, you think uh, we're we're destined for a war eventually, or you think we we can work it out? Well, nothing's inevitable, John, but um, as Henry Kissinger said, and this time Henry Kissinger is actually right um, for once in his life. He he said a a couple days ago that uh, it is more likely than not that China and the U.S. will be in a shooting war over Taiwan. And I think he's, he's correct on this because the drift of events right now is towards conflict. In China, they're preparing for war, and they're doing it very fast, and they're mobilizing not just the military, but civilian society as well. They're purging the military of officers who don't want to go to war. This really looks bad. And we also know that Xi Jinping has domestic incentives to go to war because his country is falling apart underneath him. And he realizes he only has a limited window of opportunity. And he needs to rally the Chinese people because otherwise they're going to turn on him and the Communist Party. So, yeah, this is extremely dangerous, especially because the Biden administration is, as you say, showing weakness. Gordon, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back to the show. I'm very concerned about the mindset of the Biden administration. I just don't understand what they're doing in Iran. I don't understand what they're doing in China. I don't know what they think they're accomplishing. Biden just announced he's running for re-election. He's going to run on his record. Would you please tell me what that record is with respect to China? Well, right now, with respect to China, is we have the president of the United States, as we heard on Saturday, repeating Communist Party talking points to the United States. 
he was trying to sugarcoat what Beijing did with that large object that flew over our country in January and February, um, which, by the way, was surveilling nuclear weapons sites, preparing uh, a strike on the U.S. with the world's most destructive weapons. And Biden was saying, well, you know, I think it was a mistake. You know, it was an embarrassment. The Chinese leadership didn't want this to happen. I mean, this is this is just indescribable. Um, yeah, he was he and, was making uh, excuses for China with the spy balloon, like they didn't really intend to spy on us. Is, is there any any truth to the rumor that uh, as a parting gift they gave Blinken a little miniature uh, weather balloon and said, "Please keep this on your desk at all times." <laughs> I wouldn't be and surprised. And change the battery every couple of months. <laughs> and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but right now, you know, if you're Joe Biden and you want to convince the American people that China didn't bribe you, you wouldn't be doing this. I mean, this is just amazing um, right now. And um, the American people need to be extremely concerned because we have a government that is not protecting us from um, a clear war threat. Well, the, the Chinese are uh, are coming in. Uh, the borders are are open, and the drugs are still coming in. All from the China. fentanyl, all the fentanyl. The, I guess the uh, Chinese have bought almost every university. The, the amount of money they're donating, where they're buying the universities' loyalty versus the United States having the, uh, Even, including the Penn Biden Center, <laughs> according to reports. <laughs> wow. Oh well. The Biden administration is not enforcing the Federal Higher Education Act, which requires universities to report um, gifts and contracts worth more than $250,000. The Trump administration did. Betsy DeVos, when she was secretary of education, you know, made sure universities adhered to their federal reporting obligations. Uh, I don't think the Biden administration is. We're yeah. seeing the Biden administration allow all these Chinese police stations on our soil. There's six more of these things, John, you know, and, and they're not doing anything about it. The American people need to be outraged because if they're not, we're going to lose our country. Well, Gordon Chang in his Twitter is at Gordon G. Chang. So if you sign up on his Twitter, you'll find out 24 hours a day what the heck is going on in the Far East. Thank you for coming on, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank and now you, uh, we have Dr. Mark Siegel, and uh, there's uh, so many things happening. Uh, Mark Siegel, what the heck is going on now in medicine? Uh, I find out we have a, a shortage of cancer medicine, a shortage of antibiotics. What, what have you heard? Well, I'll tell you what we don't have a shortage of is people in positions of power that appear to have cognitive problems. That seems to be growing by the day. And I'll tell you something else. God save the uh, queen. Yeah, God save the queen. I mean, I mean, it said God save the king. But how about this, though, Rita? He wasn't, he didn't show up at the coronation. So maybe he doesn't even know there's a king. I don't know. I don't know. But, but By the way, that I, was like one for the record books. I'd like to be a fly on the wall with that conversation between him and Fetterman. What were they talking about? I mean, I mean, really? <laughs> well, hold on. We have His Royal Highness uh, Prince Pablo in the studio. Uh, you were at the uh, coronation, weren't you? I, I certainly was. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the president has to understand that the, the queen is by the ca- by the by God right now. So <laughs> God is saving her up there. Yeah. So the last time someone is, the last time a United States citizen said God save the queen was before George Washington, I think. So <laughs> I didn't have been there. Fetterman told him to say it, right? <laughs> exactly. He whispered. He it was trying to impress Fetterman. Uh, tell us about the. the the drug situation, uh, uh, doctor. 
And I want to point out before I answer that, I'm, I promise I'm going to answer that, that I'm once again a warm-up band for Bill O'Reilly. I, ha- I have to say, <laughs> I, I admire the man. I think a lot of him. I'm his friend. But I, I'm once again a warm-up band. So I'll see what I can do to get people laughing and excited for him. But in terms of the, the You're a great chain, warm-up, by the way. We love you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys, too. So the supply chain issue is very complicated. Now, part of it I've already told you, that the active pharmaceutical ingredients are coming from India and China, that a lot of factories have closed, that, you know, then they reopen and they close, that, that there's the issue of, uh, of uh, COVID resurging in China, that there's the issue of where, where are these drugs made, there's the issue that the pharmaceutical companies get attacked a lot by the Democrat administration, but that, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out a few weeks ago, 90% of the drugs we use in this country are generics. And so our generic manufacturers don't want to play ball with a situation where they have to compete. So the cancer drugs, John, that you're talking about, most of them are generic. Most of them have been around for a while, and companies are not producing them because they don't want to get hit with violations. Those are expensive. And so they end up being in the, in the, in the middle of what's essentially an attack on brand name drugs, you know, like Ozembic, like Wagovi, like Adderall. And, but, but most of the drugs we're talking about are generic. On top of all of this, the pharmacy benefit managers, which are the middlemen, are the ones who survive because due to the Inflation Reduction Act, if you try to raise your prices, they actually will will penalize you if you're the drug manufacturer and give the rebates to the pharmacy benefit managers. None of that money gets to the patient. The patients get higher co-pays, they get more, more shortages, and the Democrat administration says we're going to negotiate prices. Well, who are they going to negotiate prices with? We're going to end up with less and less choices. What I care about as a physician is if a patient's sick, I want to give them the drug they need and not find out that it's short or that I get a restricted choice because of a formulary or because a pharmacist is running the show. Understood. Uh, anything else going on, uh, uh, doctor, that you want to tell the American people? Well, I talked to you, I talked to you about Ozambic already. I talked to you about the mental health of our, our leaders. Uh, we, we covered uh, supply shortages. Uh, I want to tell you that, that there has been a lot more research out there about long COVID and about how uh, it's, it's something that's definitely diminishing with, this, with the new variants that are out there. So we're, we're out of the pandemic. People that are still lingering with it, with a sense of taste and smell diminished and, and, and brain fog, that's getting better over time. The other thing I want to talk to you about, just to really lead into to the man who's coming next, is that I think that the debate that's going on over gender dysphoria is really unfair. It should not be targeting 13-year-olds, and I'm sure you guys all agree. I don't believe in mastectomies for 13-year-olds. I don't believe in puberty blockers for 13-year-olds. We all all agree with you, doctor. We all agree with you. And United Kingdom and Western Europe agrees with us, too. So it was a bad optic for the president of the United States to be pushing this while next to him, the prime minister of the U.K. is supervising the National Health Service in the U.K., which is which is banning it. So let's stop it. Let's leave our kids alone. Let's give them mental health support. Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you so much. And uh, uh, we're going to have to go to a break. And when we come back from a break, we have uh, Bill Bill O'Reilly. Back from his trip to his homeland of Ireland, and maybe he'll tell us a little bit about it. 
It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, you're walking through a city street. You could be in Peru. And you hear a distant calling and you know it's meant for you. Then you drop what you were doing. John, that's a little bit of an Irish jig in honor of Bill O'Reilly, who just got back from his ancestry, his homeland of Ireland. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, the great best-selling author and, of course, host of Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly every night on WABC 9 to 10 p.m. Bill, how was the trip? You know, it couldn't have gone better. We had uh, beautiful weather, which was very unusual for Ireland. And we're in the northern part, Donegal, which is the only county I had not been to. I started going to Ireland in 1969. I covered the troubles there in the early 80s. And it was a father-son trip in honor of Father's Day. And we're 12 of us. So I took the crew to Belfast and Derry and uh, showed them where I was and what I did. And then we wound up in Dublin, and uh, it just could have gone better. So thanks for asking, Rita. How beautiful. That was beautiful. Very beautiful. Um, tell us, what what topic are you hot on today? Um, you know, I'm when I get back, I, I always look at what I missed. And I missed two things, one local uh, with the knife crimes and one national on how the Dodgers handled this sisters of perpetual indulgence and sanity. So the knife crimes came out uh, from the NYPD stat bureau that um, there's been an almost double in arrest so far, 2023 over 22 with people carrying knives in the subways, two things that were not reported. Number one, those arrests have to be made when somebody shows a knife. But the cops can't just basically shake you down. That's against the Constitution. You have to show the knife in order to be arrested. The second thing is, why are people carrying knives on the subways? The reason is these are mostly drug people, drug addicted and drug pushers. If you are a drug addict, you have to carry a knife in New York City. If you don't, other drug addicts will take your drugs and your money. So virtually every drug addict on the street has a knife. Why don't they have a gun? Because if the police catch them with a gun, that means they could do jail time. If they're caught with a knife, Bragg will not prosecute them at all. So the texture of that story changes when you know what's going on, and, and obviously you've got a drug-addled person in the subway with a knife, you've got an explosive situation. Wow. But again, the victims of crime in New York City are the lowest priority for four out of the five, well, three out of the five DAs. I, Staten Island and Queens, I believe those DAs care about the victims. The other three do not. Well, you know, uh, Bill O'Reilly, you were talking about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I can't wait to ask you about this. Los Angeles, the Dodgers. What are the Dodgers doing? Yeah, what are they doing with this group? They honored them with their Community Hero Award on Friday night. What's the word perpetual indulgence? Does that mean they're always screwing around? That means they're very indulgent. (laughs) They'll do whatever they want to do. Two very interesting things. Number one, 
the Dodgers rescinded that uh, invitation on Gay Pride Night. But then the Hollywood Mafia, which is very, very powerful. If you want me to name names, I will. Yes, name names. David Geffen. I know him. All right? They threatened the Dodgers. So and, they well, why don't the Dodgers just say, make my day? What's he going to do, well, rip up his season the tickets? Dodgers, the hierarchy of the Dodgers want to go to the cocktail parties in Hollywood. Ah, they wow. want to be in, be in with the in crowd. Despite you all bet. the protests, because, Bill, you saw there were thousands of Catholics, and, and also there were rabbis, there were a whole bunch of people protesting outside of Dodger Stadium. People of all faiths were going this. I mean, you know what they do. I mean, to John's point, they're doing things with the cross that would make anybody blush. Yeah, I mean, they, they hate Christians. Yeah, it's really gross. There are no two sides to the story. The L.A. Times, San Francisco Chronicle, USA Today, and the Associated Press all tried to mainstream the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence who actively invade churches and defile the sacraments. All four of those publications tried to mainstream that group, say, oh, no, they're a benign group, that kind of thing. Well, to- by the way, the talking power- California, we have with us Michael Zwirling, from KSCO in California, and they're streaming our show, Bill O'Reilly, all week this week. And, Michael, thank you for very much, and we're glad to be in California. Absolutely. And by what a beautiful place, Santa Cruz, a whole bunch of beautiful places in California, too. Well, we interrupted you, Bill. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just, look, bottom line on this is the Dodgers folded. The progressive movement is very intimidating and threatening. That's why they're making the inroads with the help of the media they're making. And the irony is that they gave the honor to this group, this hate group, an hour before the game, nobody was in the stands. So if you listen to Common Sense tonight on WABC at 9 p.m., I'll play you the reporter's soundbite where he says, there is nobody there. Because the, if you go to a baseball game, very few people go an hour before the game, and they couldn't get through the thousands of protesters anyway that were outside. But all of this is an overarch of our traditional system in America, belief system, is under a massive, unprecedented assault from the progressive left. That is the truth. Bill, do you think it's going to backfire on the Dodgers? Because we think, we've talked about like Bud Light and Target, they had huge financial repercussions. In a different way, Rita. When this happened, I said, hey, bad karma is going to descend if there is a God. And guess who the Dodgers record is 10 and 14 since this whole thing started. (laughs) And they endured their worst loss in Dodger history, 15 to 0, the day after they gave the honor. I wonder if they're, Mm. I'd I'd like to get their audience, uh, how far down it's going to go. I mean, how do you, how do people take their kids? Yeah, I mean, who would want to take their kid to what clearly, Bill? I think we all agree they're not a mainstream group. I mean, I I saw with some of the videos, it's it's unbelievable what they do. Yeah, no, listen, I you listen, I I believe in gay rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, this is different. But this is Absolutely. different. 
You know, you got young kids in the studio. You got young kids in the stadium. And this is very sexual, John. That's what makes this different. They're like dressed up and as anti, nuns. Anti-Christian. Yeah, and they're like dancing and doing. It's like using a cross as a like a strip tease pole. I mean, that's not appropriate for kids. It's not. It's not a gay issue. This is just a. It's over the top, Bill. Well, we can end this discussion by saying that if this group did the same thing to a synagogue or a mosque. They would be charged with federal hate crimes. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. So, Bill, you're going to be talking about this tonight. Um, anything yep. else on your great show? Well, we're going to, you know, give you a rundown of the Ireland trip. Um, and uh, if you go to BillOReilly.com, Rita, and I hope you do, I've got all the photo gallery, all the pictures. Oh, awesome. And, uh, I look forward uh, to seeing him. I can't wait. I'm going to go yeah. on. Everybody check and it out. Awesome. At 9 o'clock on every night between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock, Bill O'Reilly on WABCRadio.com and BillOReilly.com. Thank you so much, Bill, and uh, welcome back from Ireland. Welcome back. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.